Shalom Nishpocha. Welcome to this week's Kadima Talk. I want to share about boundaries this week. In Matthew 11, verse 1, it says, After Yeshua had finished instructing the twelve Talmudim, his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns nearby. Now, instructing in the Greek is tasso, which means to set an order, command, appoint, to arrange, instruction, to give charge, to give orders. Dis, the word leading into this, means intense. And so I find this fascinating that Yeshua took time to mentor his disciples, his Tamadim, to instruct, to command, to appoint, and ordain them with great intensity. He didn't send them out unprepared. And so that really touched my heart because this is the very model for our Kadima talks to prepare and mentor you to be ready to go out, to fulfill your calling and destiny in the world, either in ministry and serving the Lord and or your businesses or whatever you're doing, military, but you have to be prepared and ready. You've got to train, you've got to learn and, and go from a journeyman to a master and all that you do. So as we go on now talking about boundaries, the ending chapters of Deuteronomy contain Moshe's final teachings to Israel regarding God's commands and mitzvahs concerning community living requirements for Israel. Now, remember, Israel is the only people group on earth whose identity, culture, and government is defined by a relationship with Adonai. So in these last three teachings, Moshe is giving God's commands and mitzvahs concerning community living requirements for Israel. These laws govern communal and private family matters for civil and domestic life. Moshe's teaching instructs us to not be complacent regarding our neighbor and our fellow human being. Based upon Leviticus 19.16, it says, Do not go around spreading slander among your people, but also don't stand idly by when your neighbor's life is at stake. I am Adonai. God commands us to not speak ill of our fellow human beings. We are to involve ourselves in their struggles and their tribulations. So often in these situations, we're tempted to do nothing to pass by that person struggling to change a tire on the side of the road, to ignore the person who needs directions or help at the grocery store, to not help someone carry too large a load or pause to help an elderly person. Many tend to remain silent while an inappropriate joke is told or pass a beggar and do nothing. It's human nature to not rock the boat, to be indifferent, but God commands us otherwise. God commands us to have integrity, character, and Torah-based ethics. The latter part of Deuteronomy discusses how to deal with rebellious children, family members, community living, taking of a wife, making vows, gleaning the fields, divorce, theft, lending, even when to invoke capital punishment. Hmm. This settling of arguments and even integrity in business. What God is actually doing is establishing boundaries for healthy, righteous community living. We call it morality. The base concept is established yet widely misunderstood in Deuteronomy 22, verses 9 through 12. You are to not sow two kinds of seed between your rows of vines. If you do, both the two harvested crops and the yield from the vines must be forfeited. You are not to plow with an ox and a donkey together. You are not to wear clothing woven with two kinds of thread, wool, and linen together. You're to make for yourselves twisted cords on the four corners of the garment you wrap around yourself. We call these tzitzits. This is all mentioned, also mentioned in Leviticus 19.19. 19. It says, Observe my regulations. Don't let your livestock mate with those of another kind. Don't sow your field with two different kinds of grain. And don't wear a garment of cloth made with two different kinds of thread. In the Hebrew, this forbidden mixture is called shotnez. 
And this is a dual-rooted word, which means not to bind together, do not combine, twist, or weave. And it's formed from three Hebrew words, shua, combined, taveh, spun, and news, which is woven. Torah regards such casual combinations as a defiance of God or sin, because sin is the direct disobedience to the known will of God. Flax comes from straw and is grown, while wool comes from the sheep or animals. Some modern apologists argue that the law was based on scientific reasoning, as while wool absorbs water and shrinks, linen is water-resistant, which they argue would cause mixtures to present a problem in relation to perspiration and hence hygiene. Another idea is that the mixing wool and linen upsets creation. God created different species that work together in the symphony of creation. Our job is to respect and appreciate this diversity and help maintain this special orderliness. Another teaching suggests that the reasoning stems from the story of Cain and Abel, as recorded in Genesis chapter 4. Cain brought God an offering of flax, the source of linen, and Abel brought a sheep, wool. The incident resulted in Cain killing Abel, and it was then thought that never again should these two substances be mixed. And although these all present great cases of why it could be so, it doesn't really get us to the basic fundamental idea being taught here. To understand what God is trying to teach us here, we need to look at a critical area where Shotnez was permitted. In Exodus 39, verse 29, and the sash of finely woven linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, the work of a weavers and colors, as Adonai had ordered Moshe. Shotnez is allowed for the Cohen's sash, which is interwoven with purple, blue, scarlet wool, and linen. So what God is really teaching us through his commands and mitzvahs, you know, Torah, the law, he's teaching us that there are boundaries between holiness and unholiness, between godliness and ungodliness, between righteousness and unrighteousness. That initial scripture said, don't plow with a donkey and an ox that's unevenly yoked. You know, Yeshua talked about this unevenly yoked about marriage in Matthew, And I used to think 25 years ago that that meant if another person that was a believer married another person that was a believer, they were good. But after 21 years plus now in the Messianic movement, I come to understand clearly that being evenly yoked means someone in the Messianic realm should marry someone in the Messianic realm. Because all we get then is confusion, you know, between church holidays, biblical holidays. It's very confusing, and the lines of holiness get blurred. Boundary in Hebrew is gavul, which means limit or border. Creation itself is defined and governed by boundaries. Psalm 74, verses 16 and 17, The day is yours and the night is yours. It was you who established light and sun. It was you who fixed all the limits of the earth. You made summer and winter. This is a profound revelation of creation, and Adonai himself established the boundaries, how far the sea can so could go, how the, where the sun rises, where the sun sets. He did this. He fixed all the limits of the earth. He gave us the seasons. Job gives an explanation of creation's boundaries and who established them. In Job 26, verses 7 through 10, it says, He stretches the north over chaos and suspends the earth on nothing. This is one of my favorite scriptures. This is 5,000 years before human beings ventured into space. How did he know that the earth is suspended on nothing? This is nothing short of divine heavenly revelation. Verse 8, he binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet no cloud is torn apart by it. He shuts off the view of his throne by spreading his cloud across it. He fixed a circle on the surface of the water, defining the boundary between light and dark. 
for the flat earthers there, I'm sorry, but scripture says otherwise, circle. The earth is round, and he defines the boundary between light and darkness. And the prophets give us the same in Jeremiah 5, verse 22. The Lord says, don't you fear me, says Adonai? Won't you tremble at my presence? I made the shore the limit for the sea. By eternal decree, it cannot pass. Its waves may toss, but to no avail. Although they roar, they cannot cross it. Creation is governed by boundaries, and so are we as God's creation. Solomon, the wisest person ever known, gave this sage advice and teaching to his sons in Proverbs 22, verses 19 through 28. He said, I want your trust to be in Adonai. This is why I'm instructing you about them today. I've written you worthwhile things full of good counsel and knowledge, so you will know that these sayings are certainly true and bring back true sayings to him who sent you. Verse 22, it says, don't exploit the helpless because they are helpless and don't crush the poor in court. Verse 23, for Adonai will plead their case for them and withhold life from those who defraud them. Verse 24 says, don't associate with an angry man. Make no hot-tempered man your companion. Verse 25, if you do, you may learn his ways and find yourself caught in a trap. Verse 26, don't be one of those who give pledges, guaranteeing loans made to others. Verse 27, for if you don't have the wherewithal to pay, they will take your bed away from underneath you. Verse 28, don't move the ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. His phraseology in verse 27 would appear to be out of context here, unless you understand the definition of what we just shared. Numerous places in scripture discuss boundary markers and associated edification saying not to encroach on your neighbor's land. This boundary is mentioned in the middle of a dissertation about community living, and there is no mention of land here. Solomon is talking about Torah principles, God's teachings that hit the mark, the 613 commands and mitzvahs, the boundaries that we are governed by. I'm not going to read them all, but let's review some of these topics that the boundaries of Torah discuss. God, Torah itself, signs and symbols, prayers and blessings, love and brotherhood, the poor and unfortunate, the treatment of Gentiles, marriage, divorce, and family, forbidden sexual relations, times and seasons, Shabbat, feast days, the Moedim, dietary restrictions, business practices, employees, servants, and slaves, vows, oaths, and swearing, the sabbatical and jubilee years, court and judicial procedures, injuries and damages, property and property rights, criminal laws, punishment and restitution, prophecy, idolatry, idolaters and idolatrous practices, agricultural and animal husbandry, clothing, the firstborn, Kohanim and Levites, truma, tithes and taxes, the temple, the sanctuary, sacred objects, sacrifices and offerings, ritual purity and impurity, Nazarite vows and wars. Tor is not a yoke or a burden, which is what's usually taught. What Tor does is define borders or set limits to human behavior that establish the interrelational model and foundation with God and between each other. To act and live outside these established boundaries results in separation from the presence of God. Creation itself with its defined boundaries reveal God's eternal power and divine nature. He's coloring within the lines. It's living your life His way, not your own, or according to some practice or theology that is not found in Scripture. God operates through fire, and His fire, not strange fire. When there's an attempt to approach God according to your own way, it doesn't go well. Good intentions are not accepted in the kingdom of God. God cannot be approached in an unworthy, inappropriate manner. 
In Leviticus 10, verses 1 through 3, But Nadab and Avihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and offered unauthorized fire before Adonai, something he had not ordered them to do. At this, fire came forth from the presence of Adonai and consumed them, so that they died in the presence of Adonai. Moshe said to Aaron, this is what Adonai said, Through those who are near me, I will be consecrated, and before all the people, I will be glorified. Aaron kept silent. Ve'an vehu, God is honored, worshipped, and admired through obediently walking in his ways. By living and approaching him the way he instructs. God has set limits. He's established boundaries. He set borders that govern how we live, how we interact with each other, and how we interrelate with him, with Adonai. These commands and mitzvahs, they are hard limits. They are hard borders without compromise. All that you do, whether it's your family, your business, your ministry, you must have established boundaries. Boundaries are one of the greatest foundations we give ourselves. They lessen the complicated yeses and nos. They keep things from getting cloudy. They help everyone around us know better what they can expect. Conversely, the leader who doesn't set boundaries is a leader who needs not expect longevity, or at the very least, longevity without regret. There must be well-defined, established chain of commands. There cannot be multiple leaders. There's only one rabbi. There's only one pastor. When we first started ministry, we had some dancers that worshiped with us. And as we were doing worship, they had all their stuff in the front row, you know, their coats and bags and sometimes tambourines. And, and during praise, they would dance. But as soon as praise was over, they would pick all their stuff up and visibly leave the very front row, walk all the way up the long aisle and leave the building. They didn't stay for the entire service. All who are engaged in ministry must attend here at least three Shabbat services a month. That's one of my boundaries. It's hard here. We are not a show. This is not a gig. It's not a place where you come and you're just going to dance and leave. It's not a place where a worshiper is going to come and play an instrument and leave after the, that part is done. We're here for the entire service. We're team building. All her engaged in ministry here at Congregation Zionsek, again, has to attend at least three Shabbat services a month, foregoing any special circumstances. Now, you know, we understand sometimes people are hospitalized, they get ill, but in general, there must be a commitment and loyalty to the congregation to be part of ministry here with us. Many, many times over the last 21 years, people have established various activities, Bible studies, ONIGs, various other fellowship-type gatherings here. I'm not a fan of them, to be honest with you. With very few exceptions, they've always become gatherings of gossip, slander, and rebellion. Many of those who started these activities stopped coming to Shabbat services, yet desire to maintain these extracurricular activities. I've shut many of them down over the last 21 years. Listen, as a congregate, if you attend any such activities, if that person wasn't at Shabbat service, then you shouldn't attend that activity. Conversely, if you're a congregate here and you do these things, if you don't show up to Shabbat services, then you certainly shouldn't be having an oneg in your home or uh, or a Bible study the next day. If you're ill and, and can't attend the service, then you can't do the other extracurricular activities. You know, another instance, I could uh, tell these sea stories all day long. We, we'd started maybe just two or three months into services when I had two different people approach me and say, hey, you know what we should do? You should speak this Friday. The next Friday, I'll speak. And the following Friday, this other person will speak. And I looked at them, and I'm like, uh, no. 
Listen, if God's called you to start a congregation, go start a congregation. You, you can't have multiple leaders because what did Yeshua say? You'll love one and what? Hate the other. In fact, most congregations that have multiple leaders, I've yet to see any of those succeed. It just doesn't work. Another thing that we set hard boundaries with is time. We're all limited with time. We all have limited time available, making this boundary perhaps the easiest to self-govern, yet we all struggle with trying to be all things to all people. As a leader, you must set a strict standard for time. Many people will attempt to abuse this and constantly consume your time. Yet a leader who never makes time for people may need a humility check. A leader who always makes time for everyone may have a self-esteem issue. Give up and protect your time. A balanced approach is wise, responsible, and possible. But you've got to plan the time to the best of your ability. You've got to be careful because, again, a small amount of people want to consume 90% of your time. It's got to be balanced. God says time is holy. Listen, I'll counsel, but I limit it to two, three, maybe at the max, 45-minute sessions. It amazes me that when someone goes to professional counseling on the outside, even if it's a Christian therapist, they'll spend $200 or more for this counseling, and they'll do whatever that counselor says. But when it's me, in most cases, they don't have any skin in the game, so they won't do whatever I recommend oftentimes when it's the same thing the counselor did. Time is holy and shouldn't be wasted. We must be good stewards of time. As you know, those who attend services here, we do a five-minute countdown, 25 minutes after the hour. When that countdown is over, we are starting the service. Why? Because that's how we honor God, because time is holy. We must be good stewards of time, God, spouse, family, then ministry or business. Again, I've experienced too many leaders placing their families on the altar of ministry sacrifice over the years. Don't do that. You have to make time for your spouse. You have to make time for your family, but also God is first. Another area is speech. In our day of woke culture, cancel culture, when social media gives everyone a platform, wise speech is increasingly hard to find. The white noise out there, it's overwhelming. Leaders must be known for steady, strong, and wise biblical truth without an agenda. Leaders need to lead with speech standards. We need boundaries on what we say and what we will and won't publicly post or say. Everything we feel, think, and support doesn't need to be preached from the pulpit or put on Facebook. Everything we discuss with our family and the safety of our home doesn't need to be voiced on Instagram. There's no room for a leader who's following God to be using expletives, condescending language, or divisive speech or posts. The word of God is enough. I am relevant, and I speak to the issues at hand, but I try to stay away from anything that would be viewed as offensive, divisive, or demeaning. Boundaries are strongly needed in this area. We must also have mental boundaries. I'm going to be the first to tell you, ministry and businesses can be overwhelming and consuming. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's too easy to become burned out. Set boundaries and establish downtime and away from it. You know, a couple of years ago, Rabitzin and I were uh, given a gift of three days at a bed and breakfast at an old uh, mansion house in Gloucester. And uh, we got there and we, we got set up. We just relaxed in a little bit and we were trying to decide what we're going to do for dinner. And Rabitzin said, well, you know, look up some restaurants around here on your phone. And I said, I can't. And she's like, how come? I said, because I didn't bring my phone on purpose. And, you know, she, she began to tear up. She knows that that 
office is stuck in that smartphone on my belt. And it meant so much to her that I took three days off and left that phone at home. Think about that. We have to set boundaries and establish downtime away from the ministry, away from your business, time with your spouse where ministry or businesses is not allowed to be discussed or talked about. Plan short getaways out of your area where no one recognizes you. Get a hobby. Do something that you enjoy doing. Listen, my job is a Messianic rabbi, but that's not who I am. I'm Eric. That's a veteran. I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. I have many passions and dreams and things I like to do. Being a Messianic rabbi doesn't define who I am. I'm still a person just like everyone else is. We also need to establish boundaries regarding working days and hours. (laughs) I once had a person knock on my front door at 7.45 a.m. on Shabbat to ask me a question about a book. No. Establishing set working days and hours. Do this on your website, social media sites, bulletins, newsletters. It establishes the appropriate time and place for communication, appointments, and questions. We also need to define and put a boundary around what an emergency is. This is an area that clearly needs strong boundaries. Severe accidents, hospitalizations, near death are clearly emergencies. Relational issues, benevolence, or other such issues aren't exactly a 911 emergency, though to some it feels as it is. Protocols must be established to define what exactly constitutes an emergency and boundaries must be put in place. Meetings. Here's another area. Set a time limit and keep it to the topic. Don't let it wander. Men should never meet with a woman alone or vice versa. There must always be a third party when meeting with a member of the opposite sex. Neither travel nor dine with the opposite sex unless it's with your spouse or another person of the same sex with you. I I always share this story and I've probably done it already on uh, previous Kadima talks, Billy Graham, who was such a profound man of God, he always traveled with two, three other men who were also pastors. And he radically changed everywhere that he went through evangelism, through salvations in Messiah Yeshua. Listen, uh, gangs didn't like him because uh, vice stopped. The mafia didn't like him because vice stopped. And, uh, and a lot of people sought his downfall. He would always send one of the other pastors into a hotel room to open the door and go in first before he did. And on many occasions, according to Billy Graham himself, they would open that door and find a woman in that room trying to, uh, you know, bait and bring the downfall of Billy Graham. And so there's got to be hard boundaries here, particularly regarding the opposite sex. There's got to be family boundaries. It's a common error that because you're called into ministry, your entire family is. Don't make that assumption. Your spouse and children need to find their own place in serving God. There's got to be ethical boundaries. Issues concerning biblical morality, values, and ethics cannot be compromised. My entire life is dedicated to serving Adonai. Though the tide comes and it departs, I will not ebb and will not compromise on my my ethical, moral values and scriptural commands and mitzvahs. Ministry must be performed and done with integrity. There can be absolutely no compromise in any area of simple behaviors or actions. All that I do must reconcile to the word of God, all the word. Way too many people of God have fallen morally or renounced their faith. They've compromised their ethics, and they're not living a true biblical life in spirit and in truth. 
Strict boundaries are required for children's ministry. Background checks, two-person rule, no one in the nursery or classrooms who's not one of our staff. We must do everything necessary to keep our children safe. Every department of your ministry must establish boundaries, from food and toys in the nursery and Shabbat school to training and practice requirements and worship ministry. Prayer is another area. Here at Congregation Zion Sick, we do not allow the laying on of hands unless it's one of our specifically trained prayer workers or altar worker. Nothing is passed out in this congregation unless I've seen it first. You would be shocked how many times people have come in and transgressed these boundaries. We've had entire moves of God cease because the enemy got in and people were laying on of hands that weren't believers. They were witches. This is this is a very profound understanding in the Hebrews called shmecha, it's ordination. And when Moses did it to his 70 elders, his leaders, he literally had, laid hands on them. And part of that fire that was on him went to them. It's a physical transference. Well, if this can be done in the kingdom, it can also be done on the enemy's side. So unless we know you or who you are or what you're afflicted with, we don't let people lay on of hands. I always encourage every pregnant woman, they, they're in the store, they're in the mall, and people say, hey, man, you know, can I touch your stomach? And the answer is no. Don't let them do it. You don't know who they are or what's in them and what's affecting them. It could be demonic. It may be harmless but you don't want to find out the hard way. Yeshua himself established boundaries in his ministry. Listen, Yeshua said no to inappropriate behavior. He said no to demands. He withdrew from the crowds who wanted him for one-on-one time with the Father. Abuse, he fought his way through the crowd that was trying to throw him off a cliff for claiming to be the Messiah in Luke 4. He said no to entitlement. He didn't give in to his mothers and brothers who tried to use a relationship with him to pull him away from the crowd he was ministering to in Matthew 12. He said no to baiting questions. When the religious leaders asked him baiting questions to make him look foolish, he answered with, with incisive questions of his own in Matthew 21 and in 22. He said no to cynicism. He said no to Herod's mocking demand. Show us a sign that you're the son of God in Luke 23. He said no to manipulation. He said no to Peter and the disciples who had an inappropriate agenda for Yeshua to be a political king or military warrior rather than a sacrificial lamb in Matthew 16. He said no to pride. He didn't heal those who were too proud to trust him in Matthew 13. Yeshua spoke the truth in love to those stuck or wrong. He said no to exploitation. He used a whip to clear out the temple of the vendors and money changers who were taking advantage of the poor and turning God's house into a marketplace in Matthew 21 and John 2. He said no to addiction. He told the rich young ruler that he couldn't help him until he gave away the money that was controlling him in Matthew 19. He said no to the misguided. He rebuked the Talmudim who tried to keep the little children away from him and told them that they needed to emulate that children's faith in Matthew 19. Yeshua taught us examples of how to be setting boundaries. Personal prayer time. He said, when you go, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen in Matthew 6, 6. He said to be honest and direct. Don't pressure people or try to get them to do things. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one in Matthew 5, 37. He set priorities. He said, no servant can serve two masters. Let's go back to what I said earlier. You can't have multiple rabbis or multiple pastors. No servant can serve two masters. He'll, he'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other in Luke 16, 13. He pleased God, not people. He said, how can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the holy, only God? John 5, verse 44. And he obeyed God. He said, what do you think? There's a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, go now and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. 
Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing, who answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered in Matthew 21, verse 28 through 31. He wants obedience. He displayed obedience. There are more, but you get the general idea here. As the congregation grows, as your business grows, we routinely encounter new areas where we must establish new boundaries to keep things in order. As you continue to grow, your ministry, your business will change, and you've got to implement new boundaries to keep yourself healthy, successful, and safe. Mishpacha, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom.